Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life, but also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. That is Genesis chapter 2. And welcome back to another edition of Bridge Radio out of Texas. Texas. Uh-oh. That's the AW. And guess who's back? He's going to be a, a normal guy here on the program. It's Mr. a normal guy the, the, or a regular uh, guy? A regular guy. Well, he is a normal guy, <laughs> yeah, right, normal. but he's also a regular guy. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Uh, uh, of the Lion, oh, Mr. Yeah. De Leon. Yeah. Right? Yes. That's what we nicknamed you last time. Yes. We'll call you the Lion. Yeah, let's, just call, him the, let's just call him the Lion. So welcome back, the lion. Thank you. It's great to be here. Rar. So much Rawr. cheesiness in here. <laughs> oh, All right, guys. Well, today we're going to be talking about um, uh, the term masculine. What 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 is a biblical uh, perspective of what masculinity actually is? Uh, we're going to be talking uh, with the author of the masculine mandate. Yes. God's calling to men. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a little bit of the first chapter. Who man is what man is, where man is. And where and, is he going? Yeah, and where is he going? What is our <laughs> calling as Christians, as men? And, and what, what, because there's this idea of toxic masculinity. Yeah. You know, mm. what, what, what is that? Is, mas- is masculinity actually toxic? Or well, is that just unbiblical masculinity? Well, I mean, right, you can't use that, you can't use that word nowadays. I'm offended. Right? Because pe- women get offended and mm. certain people groups get offended. And yet the Bible is very clear what man's responsibility what mm-hmm. is uh men like us our responsibility within a christian household is mm-hmm. so um i'm excited uh we read this book in um in uh the men's uh group that we had several years ago that was being led um, mm-hmm. um by somebody else and yeah it was really good and just kind of confronts you with yeah. truth as a man and mm-hmm. what that looks like so it's awesome that we, we have the author on today to Talk about these things. Yeah, I was, I was, I read this book probably about five years ago. I had gotten it from a, a Ligonier uh, five dollar Friday sale, so I was like, "Oh, let me just, let me just nice. read." It. I love those. I couldn't believe how uh, convicted I was from reading this. I just thought, "Wow, I've got a long way to go for me to reach biblical masculinity." Right. <laughs> I was wow. I was just. Um, woefully inadequate at the time. Hashtag woke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, guys, if you're new to the program, we are Bridge Radio. We are a uh, parachurch ministry planted on the border of Texas and Mexico, specifically Laredo, Texas. We yes. are a uh, nonprofit Christian bookstore and teaching ministry. We also sell coffee here that happens to be the best in our city. Yes. And, uh, and I, I am uh, uh, just want to let you guys know about us, Bridge Radio. Um, we're not just a podcast. We mm. are a ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, please check us out, bridgemanlaredo.org, and uh, just prayerfully consider supporting us on a uh, monthly or, or a one-time gift. And uh, who's that, Mike? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Esteban just showed me a text message right now. We're, we're, yeah. we're going to G3 and our pastor's sad because okay. we have a we have an actual conference yeah. that day, too, for our church. Yeah. But uh, let's I say we're going like, to G3. Don't you got a responsibility to your local church first? Um, um, oh, man. Oh, they, put they, on the spot by I know. It hurts. It uh, hurts. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, um, anyway guys, yeah, check us out. Um, just real quick, remember, uh, for our listeners around the world and in the United States, uh, as Julio was talking about, please consider giving to us a small donation. Anything counts. We are uh, have started a building fund to move this uh, 1,900 square foot uh, location that we're at to get into something a little bit bigger. Let's talk um, about 10,000 square feet. Uh, we're l- looking at wow. yeah, yeah, you know whatever God gives us, but. Um, for our listeners, we have the podcast here. There's homeschooling going on here. There's counseling, counseling that goes on here. There's guitar lesson, discipleship, Bible, Bible studies in a really small space. And uh, you know, if God moves you your heart to give to us, whatever it is, a penny. Like you know, I say a penny, and I'm really not joking when I say if it's a penny, because it adds up. Um, whatever God moves to give, please give to us. Um, we are able to put on the shows and do, uh, ministry work, ministry work. And, uh, because of your giving and just thank you very much again for all our listeners. 
and all our supporters. Yeah. All right. Our guest serves as Senior Minister of Second Presbyterian Church in downtown Greenville, South Carolina. He frequently speaks at conferences on the Bible and theology and is active in overseas missions. He is the author of several reform expository commentaries and has written books such as The God of Creation, What's So Great About the Doctrines of Grace, Saved by Grace, and Precious Blood, and today we'll be talking with him about his book, The Masculine Mandate, God's Calling to Men. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Richard Phillips, for joining Bridge Radio for the first time. It's great to be here. Thank you. So I was I was looking at uh, all the books that you've written, and uh, I, I was like, wow, this guy has written so many books. And I went to go look at your Facebook page and look you up and see if you had a Facebook page. Now everyone's going to go look you up, right, our audience. And uh, I saw it, and I was like, wow, he, he's written a lot. Um, I guess— How would you know that from my Facebook page? Yeah, The what? Oh, it was on your banner, I believe. It was on your oh, really? Facebook banner, yeah. I, so, yeah, somebody put it up there. Actually, there was a— a picture of all my titles. Right. I didn't. I don't. I don't know. Somebody pinned that to my account, but it looked good. Really? Okay. Well. Well, I was just like, this guy's written a lot. Um. I and I wanted to ask, like, out of all the books that you've written, which one's been the hardest, and which one's kind of been the most the most fun? Uh. Well, the hard ones in terms of effort uh, are ones that I write originally, by which I mean most of my books come from sermons. Mm-hmm. So, and the, the, what I mainly do, I'm a Bible expositor which is a great thing to be called to do. Mm-hmm. So most of my books, one way or another, the content flows out of my weekly sermons. If I write a book from scratch, that just is a lot more work. Like The mm-hmm. Masculine Mandate mm-hmm. was probably the most work I put into a book because I, I wrote it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've written a number of books that way. Uh, you, you forget, and I started writing books 20 years ago, so I can't even remember the first ones. But mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know, it, it, I've got I'm, I'm working on like five books right now that okay. I've got some version of process right now, and uh, uh, all of which are commentaries actually. Yeah, and so uh, and that's a thrill to write commentaries because you're helping ministers and Bible study teachers to communicate God's word. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm I've got a, I just came out with a volume this week on Psalms 42 to 72. Wow. And I've got Psalm 73 to 106. I've got yeah. <laughs> 2 Timothy Titus. I've got 1st to 3rd John. Yeah. All that is in some yeah. place in the editing trail. Yeah. Wow. So See, I'm always just very impressed with people who could just write books just mm-hmm. like you do. Uh, people like Joel Beakey as well. Just the, just impressed me. I mean, you just you guys are just writers. And sometimes I'm like, that's just a gift that yeah. I will never have. <laughs> yeah, nor would I. So Well, Joel, I mean, you talk about uh, Joel was just here, and I'm good friends with Joel. Mm-hmm. Uh, people say, boy, you're working really hard. I go, no, Joel Beakey's working really hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm working hard. He's working really yes. hard. Yeah. We, so. we, we had the, uh, uh, we know Joel, too. We, we were in his office uh, last year, yeah, and, and, and I walked in his office, and I'm just looking around, and I'm like, there is papers and books, yeah, and this everywhere. guy, I'm like, I loved it. yeah, I mean, this this guy is probably one of the hardest working And he knows guys. where everything is, right? I'm more than sure, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I, I, I love an office like that more than one that's all nice and elegant, and all yeah. surfaces <laughs> can be seen. Yeah. It really makes you feel good about my office. So. <laughs> yeah, if Joel had like uh, papers up on the ceiling, taped and nailed. And, yeah, I'll get back to that one later. I've got, I've got the, my book. I'm, I'm out of shelf space, so my window sills are stacked with nice. Projects. So uh, uh, we're working ministers, Joel and I. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Praise God for you guys. Y'all definitely are a gift to the yeah. church. So thank you. Um, all right. So about uh, on your book, the masculine mandate. Um, I think it's good to define our terms. I know the world defines masculine as toxic. Yeah. Uh, it has this other definition, right? And, and so, yeah, how, how does the world uh, define the word masculine? And is there is it anything close to the biblical definition? Yeah, well, for, first of all, masculine mandate, I, I just said it was one of the harder ones to write. Mm-hmm. But the reason I did it was because there's so much bad teaching on it out there. Mm. And uh, I, I think because I was in the Army for a lot of years, that, that people therefore say you must be masculine and therefore I got asked to speak on men's topics a lot and that caused me to, to put a lot of work into how does the Bible deal with this and uh, but I'm, I'm very glad to have written that book and I do think that um, uh, the last century or two in, in America at least uh, 
we have a, a definition and understanding of masculinity that includes many things that are true, but also has many things that are contrary to the Bible. Mm. Probably the true part of it is things like confidence and leadership and strength. That Those are very much biblical um, ideals associated with men. Mm-hmm. But the American masculine view uh, emphasizes uh, an emotional distance, uh, a relational indifference. You know, a real man is a strong, silent type, and, mm-hmm. and he's really not connected to relationships. And that is where it so falls at odds with the biblical portrait. Uh, I, I say in the book that uh, most people associate nurturing with, with the woman. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to denigrate women in that respect, but the Bible primarily sees the emotional nurturer, the the relational nurturer as the man. Mm-hmm. And that's the big thing. So you strong protectors, we've had that. Right. But but the 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 nurturer who, who causes things to grow and who's connected to people and who's invested deeply in their lives, it's at that point where uh, we can so rethink our masculinity in a biblical way. Mm. As Christians, where do we go to understand what it means to be a man? Why is God's word safer guy than our own subjective spiritual experiences? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. It turns out, oddly enough, that the Bible is not only theolo- theoretically inerrant and authoritative, it's actually profoundly insightful. Mm. And... Uh, you know, of course, you know, everybody knows I'm going to say you go to the Bible. But if you look at Genesis 2, for instance, and if you look at the biblical narratives, you look at the life of David, for instance, or of, you know, the relationship between Boaz and Ruth, the Bible is profoundly insightful. And so what happens is, uh, it's not just that we read it and we, okay, we receive it as God's truth. No, no, we experience it as God's truth. And uh, the Bible brings a very compelling portrait of masculinity that uh, we really do need to connect with because uh, it's not, you know, the, the biblical masculinity is not two or three proverbs, although proverbs are fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is a profound vision of manhood. And so what I hope to do in the book more than anything else is, uh, introduce people and to take them in some depth into a, the biblical, the Bible's portrait of, of the male. Yeah. You know, uh, Dr. Phillips, we, we went through the book here with about, um, 15 men, uh, about a year and a half ago. And I think the most astonishing thing was to see their faces when we're going through your book and them thinking about these subjects as men. And it, it, it's, it's just funny how they ponder on these things and are like, wait, that is how I should be as a man, a biblical man. You know, I do, a, um, I probably do, I don't know, four or five men's conferences a year. And um, uh, I, whenever I'm doing it, I, I kind of just, build into my schedule that I'm going to need to spend most of my free time talking to guys who are there mm-hmm. because it's such a, I mean, m- many of us are way out of sync with this and the effects of it are already very profound in our marriages and our children and, 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 and things like that. And, um, it, this is, this is a hugely significant thing to our lives for us to to understand what it what it is to be to be a man mm-hmm. and what that calling is and, and and I do think a lot of it is that uh, uh, we were culturally conditioned and our culture now m- in fact most cultures have a a bad view of man I mean of males mm-hmm. uh, if you go to, I was in been in East Africa a lot mm-hmm. wow do they have a, a skewed view of manhood mm-hmm. um, a lot of the Hispanic communities and it, it tends to be the same direction kind of the macho authority figure but faithfulness tenderness love you know relational devotion mm-hmm. pretty much in in different ways in all of our cultures yeah we have a completely wrong view of man but i completely because the strong protector parts there yeah and um the bible is really jarring and and it won't and this is the reason why I, I'm willing to do men's conferences and do the same material over and over and over again 
is because it's profoundly powerful. When, I, when, I'm, when I'm doing one of these conferences or if someone tells me they're studying the book, um, I just pray for a multi-generational impact. And what a thing it is if, if husbands and fathers would really embrace a biblical vision and the effects on their children and their grandchildren. So mm. it's pretty exciting. It really is. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it is. Well, I mean, just to go back how you were saying the how masculine, masculine, <laughs> masculinity, masculinity, yeah, um, it, how it looks different in different cultures. Do you, isn't it amazing though, how as we look at manhood through a biblical perspective, how those cultures all just come into one? in what we look like. Um, how does that work out, I guess, is the question that I'm asking is... Well, there's a high relationship between the fruit of the Spirit, of course, mm. and biblical masculinity. And so it's a lot of it is the fruit of godliness. But, but I do think a lot of men, when they're converted to Christ, suddenly want to know what it means to be a man. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those profound questions that we need to have answers for. And and sadly, evangelicalism has produced a lot of false teaching on this. Right. And, and it's heavily marketed. And in fact, I wrote this book because I was having uh, dinner with Jerry Bridges hmm. uh, 20 years ago. And, and he, we were lamenting a couple of men's books. Hmm. And I said, Jerry, you really ought to write a book on this. He goes, I don't have time to do it. You do it. And I'll write the forward. <laughs> so I did. And, and he did. So, yeah. Um, but I, I, it's a, it, it, there's so much bad teaching on this. It's 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 remarkable. Yeah. So and and you shared in in chapter one of your book, you said you know when someone comes to saving faith, all of a sudden this question starts to arise in a man's mind of how can I be more of a godly man or what's mm. the objective yeah. standard of of what that looks like of being a man? And you talk about this this individual called Deegan from a. Uh, from, he was a Brian mo- Deegan. Yeah, yeah, from a mortal, uh, motocross team. Could you talk a little bit about him and just his transformation? Because I think that was a very, uh, uh, it's very insightful to the opening of your book. Yeah, I'm actually sitting in a barbershop, not a hairstylist, a barbershop. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about writing this book. And uh-huh. I'm, I pick up ESPN, the magazine, the sports magazine, and it's got an article about Brian Deegan. <laughs> Uh-huh. And that's my it's my my source is ESPN the magazine, um, <laughs> and he's this utter hooligan guy. Body's completely covered in tattoos, and he's got this. He, he's the Michael Jordan of Moto X. He's he won the first eight X Games or whatever it was, how whatever number it was, and uh, and the, his group was called the Metal Militia, and they had Nazi regalia and it's drugs and you know it's just the whole thing, uh-huh. and he uh, has a. Uh, he has the kind of accident that when you watch these guys, you go, oh, that guy's going to die because of the, and he did. He, he had an accident that however much blood you can lose just without dying is how much he lost. Wow. wow. He had handlebars go through his torso and he, several organs were destroyed Ooh. and he had gotten a girl pregnant who was a Christian who was, who, who was badly backslidden. And she decided to, to keep the baby. She goes back to, up, I think it was upstate New York. Mm. And the cuts, her parents cut her off completely from Brian Deegan. But when this happens, they take Brian Deegan in because he has no one. Mm. And he becomes, he's converted to Christ. And then he, fast forwarding, he's he's been evangelizing all the metal militia. Now, I have to say that, as you'd expect, He's probably got a lot to learn about being a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a lot of sanctification to go, but he's yeah. got that evangelistic fervor and he's leading guys to Christ right and left. And he's sitting there with his, because he then marries that girl. They're raising the child. And, and it's him who says, now that I'm, I'm following Christ, I, I have to figure out what it means to be a man suddenly. Mm-hmm. And I, well, what a picture that is, because it's not just how to be a Christian man, how to be a man. Yeah, it's okay. a Christian man is not a kind of man. It it is the only kind of man, and yeah. and you realize, I, I've been I've been expressing something that's false, and mm. I've got to find the true. That's really powerful. I've definitely found that out in 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 my own personal life. Um, before we we get a little bit more into the book, into these four essential truths, I want to go through um, this idea of toxic masculinity. Um, do you think it's just a uh, a synonym for unbiblical masculinity? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I'm very sympathetic to the fe- feminist movement. Mm-hmm. 
in terms of you know the way men treated women it, it, I, I was right. watching a, a movie it was like a old it was a black and white movie from 40 years ago <laughs> it's embarrassing is that when watch is that when the men still men were. is that when men still slap women across the face when they're on i mean you know and the, <laughs> really the literally the, the women are absolutely living like slaves around them. oh hmm. boy and these self-absorbed men are sitting there making jokes about her Oh. And you're just going, oh my word! It's so embarrassing right. to watch, you know. And so I'm very sympathetic with women being mm. totally fed up with men. Mm -hmm. The problem is on the feminist movement side is they've therefore just given themselves permission to commit the same sins the men were doing. Yes, that that, that is not really the advancement. Right. And they've 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 despised femininity. They've actually made male sin the idol that they're emulating mm. uh, the whole toxic thing i i think it's it's it partly reflects you know uh a response against things that are sinful but the toxic thing is part of the whole pagan enterprise today that is fundamentally an assault on god wow you know the big thing going on in our society right now is we have transitioned from secular humanism to neo-paganism Hmm. And we and we see that neo paganism, and suddenly it's it's not enough to lead a happy godless life. Hmm. I must attack the very idea of God as creator. So you have all these absurdities today. Uh, I've decided that I'm a woman. Hmm. Well, but you're you look you're not a woman. You know, who are you to say? I mean, it's, it's just hmm. absurd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the toxic masculinity thing today is also bound up in a pagan assault on the creator in this suicidal you know uh uh rage against against the the, the maker right so uh so in general i'm pretty sympathetic right to those who criticize ungodly masculinity mm -hmm. but yeah. you know today they would certainly call biblical masculinity toxic i thought the whole thing over mike pence was fascinating yeah. Remember that the Mike yes. Pence rule? Yeah. Here's a guy living out, and I don't know Mike Pence. I'm not endorsing him as a super Christian, but that is a Christian man sacrificially ordering his life for the blessing of his wife and family. Yeah, mm -hmm. and they they went crazy. I, I practice what used to be called the Billy Graham rule. Yeah, it's uh, now called the Mike Pence rule. I've been doing this for years, <laughs> and and I have Christians writing books. You know, well, why can't married men and women have close friendships with one another? Well, because they will have affairs if they do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is why. I am sorry if you've never yeah. passed through the church and you've not seen that this is absolutely true. But, I mean, and so Christian virtue now, by embracing it in its best form, and, 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 and they will hate us even while we're bearing the fruits of it. Hmm. So the, the culture, the things coming out of the culture today are so suicidally insane. Yeah that it's hard to respond to them with anything other than dismay. Mm. Yeah. But if Keanu Reeves does it, it's okay. And I don't know <laughs> if you guys heard the story. He won't. He no, won't, no. He, What's the, is that so, true? Yeah. So Keanu Reeves, if you look at his pictures that he takes with women, he never puts his hand or arms around. He just puts it outside. Yeah. And uh, if you if you see, he won't. He, he won't touch. He won't yeah, touch. touch women, yeah. um, and, I, and I'm assuming that he doesn't do it so he doesn't get accused of in a appropriate touching or anything i think he's being safe but then on the other hand like everybody praises him for doing that like oh look at him like you know mm -hmm. and then when mike pence is like hey i don't want to do these things because right. of this i mean he gets attacked yeah. you know yeah and, so it's really hard for us to respond constructively to neo-pagan critiques because mm -hmm. there's such a, a fanatical hatred against god mm -hmm. yeah that's just it's not nothing will make them go crazier than for us to do the things that they themselves believe we should be doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. So I want to dive into these four essential truths uh, that derive uh, from Genesis two that you talk about. Who is uh, who man is, where man is, what man is, and how man is to fulfill his calling. Uh, but before we jump into that, why Genesis two? Why why yeah. is it so important that we go to Genesis two? Why is it mm. why is it so significant? Genesis two is of course the version of the creation account that shows God's creation of human society. Genesis 1's macro creation, you know, let there be light, there's light. In, in Genesis 2, you have him instituting marriage, the male-female relationship. Mm -hmm. you, have the, you have the family, 
Uh, you you will have growing out of Genesis two the church. You have all of of covenantal society designed by God in Genesis two, and and when we see so so the structure, the architecture. This is why it's so helpful. The architecture that's going to be built on throughout the rest of the Bible is detailed in Genesis two. And so, for instance, you know who who is man? Man is a creature made for covenantal communion with his maker. Mm. You know, the fact that Genesis 2-7, what a verse it is, mm. that God forms the man with his own hands. Up to this moment, God has been, you know, just it's been divine fiat. Let there be light, there's light. Yeah. But now when it's man, there's a personal connectedness designed in the, even the making of God that shows that we are made to know him. We are made for his glory. We are made to be in covenant with him. So the biblical language will be, they will see his face, you know, and his face will shine upon them. And so we are the kind of creature, the unique kind of creature, that is designed for worshiping covenantal communion with God, where he says, I will be your God, you will be my people, and they will all know me. You think of the prophets saying, the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. That's like the final eschatological, ultimate eschatological statement of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And so we are preachers whose whole existence is defined in terms of our communion with God. Uh, and so that's the starting point, that we are made to know him. Isn't that great stuff? Yeah, No, great. it is. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask, what what are the consequences of not having that, that creating in the image of God? Because then man is reduced now to a creature and an animal, and, and you really can't make sense of, of anything. Am, 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 am I correct on that? Well, this is why there's this, there's this and, we, and we have to look with sympathy on our right. believing friends, because there's this built-in frustration and futility and hopelessness, mm. and you can see why they're unhappy. Yes. And our very being was made to be in relationship with God. Yeah. We can say that we're animals, but we still possess spirits. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's this, this is why you have, and I think this is where some of even the anger against Christians comes from. There's just such a pathology of living a lie and that the truth is knit into our very making. Mm -hmm. And and just like Paul in Roman one, mm -hmm. Romans mm -hmm. one says, yeah. you know, the creation bears testimony to God. So you can mm -hmm. call yourself an atheist, but you're not an atheist. <laughs> it's not only the creation without us, the creation within. Yeah. And uh and so uh it is not possible for there to be wholeness mm -hmm. outside of, of that relationship God originally intended. It it also reminds me of uh, of Ecclesiastes too where he says that he has placed eternity in our mm -hmm. hearts. Yeah. And and you know, where he, he has placed something in us that we know is there, we can't quite figure out. And then what does Solomon say at the end? Uh, obey his commandments. You know, this is the duty of man. Um, anyway, so all the idolatrous pursuits that we put in his way lead to dissatisfaction. Right. So whatever it is, if it's power, you're going to be made cynical by it. Mm. If it's achievement, you're going to be frustrated that you didn't really achieve what you thought you were. Your little mm. tower of Babel did not reach to heaven. Yeah. If it's beauty, it fades. I mean, I mean, it's just yeah. in a fallen world outside of God. It, it, and, and one of the things this means is going to mean to our masculinity is that there is no biblical masculinity outside of a covenant relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And outside of the engine of it all is my communion with God, my, my relationship with him in Christ. Yeah. And the, 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 the grace that's going to, that, that is necessary for me to live out the masculine mandate is only found in a life that is walking in faith with him. Mm. You, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Phillips, right now we are um, we are going through systematic theology by Joe Beakey and Esteban. Yeah. This morning we were talking about that and just uh, God's revelation to us as man and and, yeah. and what He's done and natural and revelation, natural revelation, yeah. yeah, and applied. And one thing is, is as you were talking, Dr. Phillips, about Romans, and it's very clear that He's put that in our hearts. And when mm -hmm. we don't worship Him, we'll worship other things and make those things, gods and idols, and replace mm. him with the truth. Yeah. And so there is no mechanical way to do godly masculinity mm. that's not first organic. Mm. It must be unto him and, and from him and through him and to him. And so it, it's, 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 going, it's going to be an outflow because everyone that we're talking to or who's listening to us now is on the fall side of that. <laughs> we're all post-Genesis 3. So it's always not just the creation in God's image, it's the restoration to the privilege and prerogative of that. Mm -hmm. 
So in Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 15, um, it describes God creating a garden where Adam yeah. is going to be placed. Um, why That's is this the where. A, yeah, that is the where. Like, where is man? And, and how does that, sh- that, how does that, um, like, what are some takeaways that, that we could get out of that? Yeah, it's hugely significant. I mean, mm-hmm. God creates a world uh, of covenant relationships. The Bible has formal God-designed relationships that work the way that he says they are. They all involve duties and privileges and benefits. They're covenant relationships. And God creates the garden. The garden's not just a physical world. It's a socio-relational world. It's a covenant world. And he places, when when it says the Lord took the man whom he'd made, and he put him in the Garden of Eden. What God is saying is that the way that we... You know, and this is used, and I, I, I can't really talk about it without referencing John Eldridge's wretched book, Wild at Heart, which okay. is the exact opposite. But I mean, you know, if, if we're going to use the language, I'm, I'm, I'm on a quest to discover my masculinity. Yeah. Language that no real man would ever use. Mm-hmm. But um, the um, you're only going to discover it, by, not by checking out, but by buying in. Mm-hmm. It's not by avoiding the commitment of marriage that you're going to experience masculinity. Hmm. No, no, you're, it, it's it's by buying into the structures and the life and the commitments and the relationships and you're, it, it's, it's going to be biblical masculinity ordinarily involves husband and wife, father hmm. and child, church, pastor and church. You know, you're, you're, you're a member of a church. You know, and, and so... One of the things we're struggling with today, one of the reasons why people feel disconnected from their masculinity is because they have not bought into the things that God has designed for us to get into. Now, mm. the number one criticism I get, I have a, my, my, my younger son is an incredible comedian. And he <laughs> loves to sit at the dinner table reading negative reviews of my books. <laughs> That's funny. And that uh, I, I mean, most of my books are like 4.5 stars or five stars, but you know, there's a lot of reviews of the masculine mandate. So, you know, and, and the number one complaint is that I make people feel bad for not being married. Mm-hmm. Well, on the one hand, you don't have to be married to have to be a, a godly man. Yeah. But, it, but that's the exception. There are exceptions. Maybe you are the exception. The rule is it is not good for the man to be alone. We need to buy in. We need to grow up. We need to invest. And so we have so many men today trying, wondering why they feel disconnected from masculinity. When the Lord planted a garden in Eden and he put the man in that garden to, you know, with, with a calling for that garden. Well, that's like what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And people go, well, there's no godly girls for me to marry. Well, the answer to that is to move to Greenville, South Carolina, where I'm sitting on the treasure trove of available reformed womanhood, including daughters of mine. Oh, but um, uh, but the um, uh, that's not the issue. The issue is, uh, and it flows out of not walking with the Lord in faith. If you're walking with the Lord in faith, then he's going to be moving in you to desire the things that he desires. And the Bible says it is not good for the man to be alone. Mm. And, and, and we live in a society, part of American masculinity is just so narcissistic and self-centered. Yeah. Mm. And so I just, I, it's about me, and I don't want to trust anyone. I don't want to commit myself to anyone. Well, then the one thing you cannot be is a man, mm. not mm. biblically, because the very essence of manhood, as we will see, is the opposite of that. And so he, I think the wear of masculinity is very important. God created a covenant world. We are to buy into it, not to check out. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And that, and that's going to produce more complaints. But I, I don't care. This is the Bible's teaching, and we've got a whole. It's not just today's young generation. The last couple of generations have been just as bad. We just have better video games today. Yeah. The, uh, oh, wow. so <laughs> I mean, it's just wow. a little less pathetic to live in your mother's basic today because the games are pretty good. Yeah. But um, it's still pathetic. Yeah. We are to invest in the world. We're to be church members, not drifters. We're not to just date around. We're to marry a woman. We're to take on the wonderful yoke of fatherhood. This is the wear of biblical masculinity. Mm. 
Uh, Dr. Philip, potential suitors yeah. for your daughters, do they have to read your book? Is that a must? <laughs> they do, indeed. Well, my, my, I have two daughters who are teenagers, and they're, as they well know, they're forbid to date right now. I okay, so, but in the and future. I don't want to embarrass her <laughs> right, right. Maybe to, to market her or anything, but uh, uh, I have a couple of other, you know, maybe less wholesome qualifications like i get to shoot them in the leg <laughs> just, to, yeah, just to establish you know the parameters of the right i remember I here shot. i wouldn't really hurt him i remember listening to a glenn beck program and he said that when his daughter had his first date uh, her first date uh she uh and they were throwing out the trash together and he was meeting the boyfriend and and he goes give me the soda and he in the the his his daughter's boyfriend hands him the soda and he goes okay thank you and he puts it in a plastic bag and just looks at him and, and just as in like I have your DNA yeah. like like uh, your your bottle <laughs> and I and, and the and the kid was just looking at Glenn Beck like are you serious this guy just took my 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 food my try put it in well, all in a plastic bag part of the deal is yeah what those, those father jokes are saying is. This isn't just your self gratification, dude. Yeah. yeah. Yes. This is someone precious who's in relationship, who is a daughter. Yeah. And Amen. And who is, an awful lot has been invested in her heart. Mm. So don't make it your toy. Yeah. That's, that's behind my joking threat to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and in the future, they're going to be part of your family. So yeah. <laughs> you want to make sure. Uh, that... We have a great time. Yeah. Have, <laughs> Phillips boys are having a good time. Yeah. And, and just on that note, because I do also too kind of want to touch on the, um, the feminine side of this i mean why why is it important like because we're having this conversation i think it's important for women to listen to this as well yeah and and have a proper perspective why 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 would you recommend to like women read your book or just kind of the stuff that we're talking about right now yeah uh, no doubt and we kind of have my wife and i kind of have a companion book on dating called holding hands holding hearts and that's like a a proto version of my thinking and the bible's teaching on this uh well, look, look, women, the fact that I have to almost apologize for saying it shows how crazy we are. Women are in a very vulnerable place in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, this, that doesn't demean women. Women are enormously valuable and capable. But they are, by God's design, Genesis 2, he gave her a maleward orientation. Even the word woman, the Hebrew male, man is ish, female is isha. So they can, the feminists can respell woman with a Y to try and pretend that women are not made of man and, and in relationship. Mm -hmm. now, the whole feminine design is so profoundly manward oriented. And, you know, just take America today. The high road to poverty in America is to get pregnant out of wedlock. Hmm. I wow. mean, it's almost that it, it is like the way. Yeah. Well, that's an example of women not receiving the covenantal care and hmm. nurture and protection that they are due. I, yeah. I say to a young man, like my sons, you're on a date with a girl. Yeah, I want you to have a good time, but your job is to keep her safe and to build her up. Now, that's, that's yeah. the masculine mandate. Hmm. And and you know, when I say this to women, they're not yelling at me with feminist mantras they're crying and saying please yeah. please let me go out with a guy who's not a narcissist mm. you know let, let me go out with a guy who's really take, paying attention to me and who i feel safe with because i am safe because otherwise they are not safe mm. yeah and um uh, so, I mean, women have a, a great investment. Now, there, you know, there's female sins as well as there's male sins. Mm. But this is one of the primary issues in our society today. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Getting men to fulfill the masculine mandate mm. is one of the biggest things going on in our society. Yeah. And I just see the destruction that, you know, the fatherless household has caused. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm Hispanic and I've, you know, even in, in our community, we, we see yeah. very often the damage that that causes mm -hmm. when, you know, the, uh, the father is not there and is in prison and, and has no concern for, uh, you know, the wife or the child and the child, you know, gets raised up fatherless. Uh, I mean, we've seen story and heard story yeah. after story and it's, it's a consequence of sin, and, 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 and it just comes down to the lack of masculine, biblical masculine it, men. It, it, it's true. Now, those feminine sins, ladies, if you're listening, you know, be more godly. Mm -hmm. but, but that's the macro thing going on. Right. And even in marriages, um, I actually believe that the Christian women are probably more powerful servants of Christ than the men are. 
Hmm. Wow. You know, the prayers of godly women, the, the, the loving outreach, there's something really compellingly powerful. I think Satan fears mm. my wife's prayers more than mine. <laughs> but <laughs> that's interesting. He can only become that way by God's design. Not, not only, but she can ordinarily become that way in relationship with a man who's embraced the biblical calling to manhood mm-hmm. and who's providing that covenant nurture. It's not just covenant leadership. It's covenant ministry. Yeah. And when I, when I speak at marriage conferences, I don't do a lot of them now because just so many of them wears you out. I, I more do the man events. But right. when, I, when I talk about these sorts of things, I'm always, I, I know it's going to happen. It does happen. When I talk about male nurture, male, the, the, the working part of the masculine mandate of, of building up and investing in relationships, I'm looking at all, all wet eyes. Yeah. Because most Christian women have no experiential ex- relationship with that. Hmm. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, amazed, I'm amazed that godly evangelical women do what they should do, honor the Bible's teaching of male-only leadership. Yeah. Uh, because, and they should, that's God's order, but we are so lousy. <laughs> it's a miracle that they keep trusting the Lord, given the quality of male leadership they're getting in their mm. homes or the lack mm. thereof, often in churches. Mm. You know, to be a Christian woman should be to spend your whole life under the covenant nurture and protection of male heads who've invested in you and who would literally die for you at a hmm. drop of a hat. Those women cause the kingdom of Satan to tremble. Hmm. Wow. You know, I, I notice though, when I am walking um, as a man, as, as you would put it, a, a, a biblical man, I know there's a difference in my wife and how she, oh, yeah. and just the other day, you know, we're, we're driving home from work and she just grabbed my hand and started kissing. And I was like, where, where did that come from? She's like, I, I'm just really blessed to have you and I love you. And isn't, isn't whoa, repentance great? Yeah. And, I, Let and y'all, let's just repent and, mm-hmm. and go walk in the ways of the Lord. Mm-hmm. It, 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 yeah. It, it's to such an extent that even if she's really hard hearted and bitter and angry, it's the Holy Spirit's energy. She can't keep it up. Right. Yeah. And, and what, women, women are made. Genesis two. I will make her a helper suitable for him. Hmm. The nature of the forming of woman is with a manward orientation, and the way God has constructed their hearts, that if a man will follow the masculine mandate and really provide that covenant nurture and protection, she can't stay angry with him. Hmm. <laughs> it's wow. just such a blessing to her, right. and that gives men in marriage just way getting way ahead of ourselves. It gives us a wonderful resource. I mean, look, in every marriage, everybody's a sinner, and sometimes it's the wife who's nuts, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but but the Christian man, if he will really embrace the Bible's teaching on this, it's really hard for her not to come around if she's a believer. Hmm. Good stuff. Those are a bunch of uh, truth bombs being yes. dropped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, it's no. good. We need it. We need it. A little. Uh, it was a rebuke there too. So it's good. Okay, so uh, we we talked about who is who who man is, where man is. Now, what uh, are we as men? That that's going to yeah, answer the, the what the it, what man is. The nature of our calling is to men are called to lordship. Adam is the lord of the garden. He is the little L Lord of the microcosm, while God is the capital L Lord of the macrocosm. So his mm-hmm. lordship is is a, is a derived lordship, and it's under the Lord. But Adam is placed there with authority over 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 the garden. Mm-hmm. And the you know, one of the differences between maleness and femaleness is that well, not, I'm not saying women can't lead. But I'm saying that it is written into masculinity that we are to take it, we're to exercise authority. We're to be in charge of the thing that God's given us and we and to take responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. When I say authority, I don't mean it's, it's my plaything, far from it. Mm-hmm. It's the exact opposite. I have if if I'm uh if I'm uh if I got a business with two people working for me, then I as a man am going to exert godly authority for the sake of that so that it, it, it is blessed as it will. Now, that is different. Actually, I would argue, Ligonier has been asking me for years to write a feminine version of it. Mm. Uh, if I were to do a feminine version, I would say the title would be Fashion for Beauty. 
<laughs> the thing, and what a great thing it is, writ into femininity is beauty. Mm -hmm. I don't mean that in shallow sense. I mean that in a profound sense. Mm. Uh, women bring beauty into our lives. Thank yeah. the Lord. They beautify everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. Men are to rule and strip away all the evil connotations because of the way we sin. We are, we are to exercise. The Lord God put the man in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So he has got his place, the garden, under his authority in charge. And when you have children, God has placed, when, you, when you're married, God has placed your wife under your covenantal charge. When you have children, and, and your wife also has authority, but distinctively as the man, you are the Lord, biblically, of the home. And you are to exercise, I mean, what's said of Abraham? God praises him because he commands his children to walk in my ways. That's biblical man talk. And, and now everybody calls that toxic because it's just been sinfully abused for right. so long. We, we scarcely imagine that there's an actual design that is wholesome. But yeah, men take charge. Uh, I was a tank officer for many years, and I loved a, a tank crew. And there'd be some 23-year-old buck sergeant. And I'd go see him and I'd say, Sergeant Smith, this is Captain Phillips, and uh, you're the tank commander of, of, of Delta 2-3. I mean, what a life you have. Hmm. You command a tank with three soldiers. Command it. And you make it the best tank in my unit. Hmm. You make it the best operating, the cleanest, the sharpest looking, the best performing. Make your men the most trained. You, are, you have the great privilege of being a sergeant in the armor corps with an M1A1 tank. And you're just talking, and even, believe it or not, their masculinity responds to that yeah. with, a, with, with virtue. Yeah. That, that's, that's what it means to be a guy. We, our whole like, yes, this is what I was called to do. Uh, I am the what is I'm a, I'm, I'm to be, I'm to exercise God's authority in the sphere that he's given me that authority. Hmm. And and I think uh, just going back to my wife, you know, she, uh, you just made some good points. When the wife recognizes that of what the what man is, and um, and and as we lead, and there's that you know husband wife submission, biblical submission um, yeah. that is in place. I I I'm telling you that I I just love my wife even more. Right. She knows. She knows what are what are my requirements uh, as a man under God, and places that on me yeah. to what that should look like. And we don't wait for our wife's permission because they're never giving it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how many times I've had women in my office telling me that their husband's not a leader, mm. and I've almost always say to them, "Well, maybe if you took your hands off the steering wheel." Mm. You know, because there's the sin nature of woman, as Genesis yeah. 3 shows, is to contest that. Mm -hmm. But as we grow, I mean, if we really want, if we only live once before we go to heaven, you know, we only got X number of years to have an impact for Christ. Mm -hmm. Can we all play by the rules? Let's, can we play to win? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I say to Christian women, you know, I, I cut them no slack on this one. Uh, would you help your husband to embrace his masculinity? Mm -hmm. You know, C.S. Lewis once said, not only do women not respect their own husbands if they rule over their husband, other women do not respect either her or him mm. if they rule over their husband. Mm. Because it's just C.S. Lewis observing, as he's so keen to do, what is written into the very fabric of creation. Hmm. And so men are – now, again, here's where we have a generation of men who don't want commitment. Mm. And, and they're – and they, what they need to do is they need to walk with, they need to get serious about their relationship with God. Yeah. Because a growing discipleship with Jesus Christ is not going to result in you being self-centered and narcissistic. Hmm. It's going to give you love. Yeah. And masculine love is manifested through lordship, godly, hmm. self-sacrificing lordship. Hmm. Yeah. So how is man to fulfill his calling? Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that, by the way, isn't Genesis 2 great? It's amazing, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're, we're, I mean, uh, well, so how am I supposed to do this? Here's Brian Deegan's question then. And let's go back to Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Hmm. Now, work and keep then become the two hows, the two dynamics of godly masculinity. Um, don't you love it? There's only two things. 
if it was 14, we'd be in deep trouble because we're, we're simpletons. But we can keep track of two things. Um, and you will see all through the Bible that biblical masculinity is expressed in terms of covenantal nurture and ministry to build up and cause things to grow and then protection to keep them safe. Mm. Thy rod and they, thy staff, they comfort me. Mm. The rod was a weapon, the staff was for guidance. Mm. Uh, you think of, of Nehemiah when he was building the wall and his soldiers had a spear in one hand and a shovel in the other. That is the picture of biblical masculinity, and you'll yeah. see it all through the Bible. Even you can follow this through in, in Paul's teaching to husbands the same. He doesn't use the language, but the dynamics are there. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, this is incredibly useful because the Bible then gives me a roadmap for where what, what I'm what I'm to try to accomplish. And what I'm to try to accomplish, that's not possible outside of my own relationship with the Lord and the grace he gives and the love that comes from it. But... The working part means that I am, to, instead of being aloof and relationally distant, I'm to be the opposite. I'm to be close with my children. I mean, isn't it funny that every child craves a close relationship with his or her father? Yeah. And, and the lack thereof has scarring effects that mm. last, in many cases, the rest of life. Yeah. And we're to know our children. We're to be close to our wives. That's why First Peter three seven says, "Husbands, commune with your wives according to knowledge." We're not to stand aloof. We're to draw near. And I, I love the imagery of, of Adam being a gardener. And I like to say that your fingers are to be brown with the soil of your children's and your wife's heart. Hmm. Um, so I'm to I'm to be connected to my children. I'm to know them. I'm to be involved. I'm to be, and of course, I have the ministry of the Word of God. And so, as my children are growing up, their father should be yes, the one who keeps them safe, but the one who's God's gardener in their lives. Now, I'm not trying to cut women out of this at all, but this is a biblical role. And so, the character of our children grows out of the nurture, the encouragement. Part of protecting is discipline, hmm. and there's reproof in that. But but the, but I think the biggest feature missing from and it's not just you know Latino mas, machismo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's white American uh, uh, versions of it too, which is kind of a a more nuanced version of the same thing. Hmm. They all lack the nurture side. Hmm. Yeah. And we are to we are to invest our labors. The biblical image of a leader is a shepherd. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does a shepherd define success in the health, strength, and well-being of his flock, and that they get to where they're supposed to go? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's how he defines success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, as a father, I define success in terms of their character, their commitment to Christ. My my two sons are both in college right now. And then the masculine mandate was dedicated to them when they were little boys. And mm. um, they've never read it, by the way. They go, well, we don't need to read it. We've been hearing it our whole lives. But, <laughs> the, um, uh, but, but boy, what a time of life it is for me. Because now I'm at the phase where they're really getting out of my control. Mm. You know, I, don't, I don't have any idea what they were doing today other than going to class. Mm. I mean, so now I'm banking on, I, I have a different kind of, nurture relationship with them my fingers don't have the access to their hearts that they used to have well praise i mean what a difference it makes to have spent that time and to have really been close with them and and to had a a a constructive dialogue of prayer and and you know i i talk about parenting a lot of it's having we got we got to bond with them we got to do things with them and, and to be a team with them. Mm. But then for our sons and our daughters, it's, it's a little different, sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. But for them to say, my father loves me, not just in kind of some abstract sense, but, you know, I I cry in his arms. My, my oldest daughter is an elementary school teacher right now, and she's in a really tough teaching situation that's mm-hmm. brutal second grade you know this is what it looks like with a whole generation of kids who've been never spanked and wow yeah, yeah. and she's 23 years old and she and she's lived she's her first year out of college she's at home right now mm-hmm. and you know she'll come and cry in my arms and you know and and we'll, and i'll pray with her about it and, and my encouragement to her now my wife plays a huge role in her life so i'm, I'm just not talking about that mm-hmm. my role 
and is to is to minister the gospel to her to build her up now i'm also you know the protecting also involves reproving sin mm-hmm. um like that's a big part of it but i am working and keeping and so that's that's what the book is about mm-hmm. the, after the opening chapter where we deal with all this stuff we then work out working and keeping in marriage mm-hmm. as the father yeah. in the workplace in the church it just kind of flows from that mm-hmm. but that's a you know most of the men hearing me are should be going Oh man, yeah. I am just so out of sync with this. Because you are, and look, I I would know, you know, I, I have repented many times, and there was there was a fundamental repentance in my life mm-hmm. where I realized this so many mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. and and kind of went to the Lord and committed myself to walk in His way, mm-hmm. and I'm not perfect. My family is not perfect, but man, it makes a colossal difference. Hmm. Wow. Maybe your son's future father-in-laws will make it a mandate to read the masculine mandate. <laughs> well, my oldest son's getting married. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, nice. to a girl, to a girl he's known since he was nine years old. I've been wow. her pastor since she was nine, and it's a, it's a real joy. Um, but my, honestly, when my sons are going on a date, in fact, my younger son has his first girlfriend right now. He's a sophomore, and last year I said to him, "Before you go on a date with a girl, because he'd never been on a date before." Um, I said, I'd like you to call me. I just want to talk to you. I'm not trying to hassle you. I just want to play my role in your life. Mm-hmm. And I want to prepare you. for. So he does. And, and what I said, and what I always say, your job on this day is to work and keep. Your job is to is to mix, take an interest in her. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, your desire is to be a blessing to her. She should leave her date with you spiritually encouraged. Um built up in the Lord, you've taken it and you didn't just talk about your high school football games, you know, you, you know, let me point out every item on my letter jacket. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and then, and you, and she's to feel safe in every way because she is safe. And I said, I always conclude with this. Oh, by the way, a Christian girl, the most likely effect of that if with a Christian girl is that she falls in love with you. Yeah. Well, that has been a very, that's exactly what has happened. But that's me, even as I'm kind of doing that stuff, that's me playing the nurturing role in his life. Right. And and, and he has, there has to be enough trust and love built up that he actually calls me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, the funny thing was, I was, I was flying back to Greenville and I was taking the, the train between terminals at the Atlanta airport when he, and I'm about to miss my flight and he calls me. And he tells me he's going on a date, and he tells me the girl's name. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll call you when I get home. I almost missed my flight because I immediately went to Facebook <laughs> and started trolling the wow. poor girl. Wow. <laughs> and I almost took the tram all the way to the baggage claim. Because, uh, uh, you wow. know, your children start dating. But even that, even that dynamic I'm, real, I'm describing about that conversation and mm. the influence in his life, that is working. Yeah, that's an example of having the relationship that's been built up, where you can invest in them so that they grow. And yeah. what we have today is we have a generation of children who don't have the benefit of father, father's love and investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yikes! I, I we Christians should have great pity for the pagan world because mm. it's no, it's not by chance that everything's falling apart. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Wow. Well, Dr. Phillips, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the program. Um, as always, the last question, it's a signature question. What is the gospel? We know, uh, you know, talking about masculinity isn't what's going to bring someone to saving faith, yeah. um, but it's the proclamation of the gospel, and it's until someone is saved that true uh, sa- uh, uh, salvation will come, and uh, if you're a man masculinity will come. So uh, we just want to open the floor for you to share the gospel. Well, let's go back to Genesis 2-7. God made us for himself, and he made us in that covenant relationship. And no amount of advice I can give you will overcome the corruption of sin. And we are living in a world that is post-fall. We are we we ourselves and, and the human race uh, as a whole has sinned against God by rejecting him as our way truth and life we have violated his commands and we've placed ourselves under his guilt and we've also placed ourselves under the power of sin and that that shouldn't even have to be argued in our society today um where sin is ruining everything and so it ought to be the case that there is no genesis 4 
God, I mean, or certainly God's justice alone would would have condemned us. But God's mercy sent a savior. And the Bible's grand message, of course, is that God has remedied our rebellion and sin by sending his son to do the work of reconciling us to the Father. And the key work, of course, was his death upon the cross. And God sent one Savior. He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to redeem us from our sin, from the guilt, but also the power of sin. And it's only in Christ, by believing in his son, that the son restores us to the Father. And only then can we have life. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. That only comes when we've been freed from our sins through his blood. And then Jesus has reconciled us to the Father. By the way, he also sends the Holy Spirit into our life. And what a help that is. Because I could only even talk this way. By the grace of God, such, such such a sinner am I. My native disposition is so narcissistic and self-centered and idolatrous that I want to exploit. That's what everybody's doing. Um, but it's the grace of God in the reconciliation that comes in Jesus. Now that, my friends, is very good news. The the whole work of God, that's, we, of course, we center it on the, on the atoning work of the cross, is such good news that a Savior has redeemed us that we might be forgiven. But the good news is bigger than that. Through faith in Jesus, we're restored to the Father, and his Holy Spirit comes to us, and now the Word becomes alive for us. And we are able to live in a, a life life rather yeah. than a death life. And oh, that uh, everyone who hears my voice would know Jesus Christ and would realize our great need of redemption from the guilt and power of sin. And through Christ, we would be restored to the Father. And then you see, in the light of his word, we need not live as slaves to sin. We need not live as slaves to our passions. We, we, we need not be manipulators of others, which is what we are. Let's not kidding. That's what's going on in relationships. We need not be narcissists, and not, you know, and all of that is such great news. What a, oh, 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 praise the Lord that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much again, Dr. Phillips, for joining us. Thanks, guys. I want to encourage all of our listeners to uh, get yourself a copy of The Masculine Mandate, God's Calling for Men. It is a great read. All three of us here, uh, myself and my two co-hosts, have read it. Um, and if you want more of this conversation, I mean, this was a great, great, yeah. great podcast. If you want more, um, get yourself a copy of the book. Where can we find, where can our audience find you, uh, Dr. Phillips, on social media or anywhere else? Uh, yeah, uh, you can follow. It's my church broadcast. I think even my bathroom conversations. I mean, I, everything I say is broadcast on the internet, uh, which produces circumspection. No, all my sermons, all my my Wednesday night Bible studies, everything I do yeah. is on our church website, okay. which is on sermon audio, of course. Okay. And then our, uh, spcgreenville.org okay. mm. is my prime. I've written a lot over the years on Ref 21, but I don't write there much. I'm just too busy writing books. Mm-hmm. But if you, uh, if, if you, you know, Rick Phillips at Second Presbyterian Church, Greenville, you'll find me. Just type those words in and you'll see my tweet. I don't tweet much. Uh, I'm too busy for social media. Uh, <laughs> so I really, I don't, I, I don't. Right. Much. Uh, I see that my Baptist friends all have interns who tweet for them. <laughs> okay. uh, they do. I, I, that's I how it with works. Yeah. yeah. That's how, that's what Al Mohler does. Right. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he has people tweeting for him. Right. So right. I'm not a big social media guy. You're, you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get an influx of emails taking you up on that uh, uh, the visiting your church for uh, godly women uh, dating. So. But that's that's what we're gonna get. <laughs> get a bunch of, yeah, get, I get mean, a bunch of emails. Well, move to Greenville is generally loving right. counsel. I'm telling. Although you all live in Texas, Texas is a great state. It is. It's it the is. best state, actually. It's the greatest one. Yeah, it's a, it's <laughs> it's a whole other country. It yeah. is. It is. All right, Doctor Phillips. Well, we'll go ahead and let you go. Thank you so much. God bless you all and all our hearers too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are finished with the podcast. Man, that was very, very good. I want to encourage everybody to like, share, subscribe, share with your mom, your cats, your dogs, Mm. all your male dogs. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, man, that was such a good podcast. As he was speaking, I was just like, man, there's so much more to learn 
and uh, there's so much room to grow. <laughs> it was just convicting. It was super helpful. Yeah, and super it, helpful. In, in one way, I know you didn't get to talk too much on the podcast, this yeah. time, but <laughs> at all. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I was listening. But yeah, well, what did you think? I, I mean, I thought it was, it was just. I mean, there, there's it's such a high calling, and one of the things he said, men were called to rule, yeah. and and I don't take that. I mean, being studying scripture and being a Christian now for a few years, I, I don't take that at all in the way that culture would define it. Yeah. Um, but as sort of this compassionate kind of tender, but this strong too, this mm. self-control mm. that is used to be very foreign to me and is foreign to a lot of us, especially young men. And I'm realizing how much more I need to live a, a life of self-control. Um, yeah. So he just, he explained things really well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was really good. Encourage everybody to get the book. Yeah, yeah. 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 seriously. So, all right, guys. Well, we're going to go ahead and end the program, but I always end it with one question. What is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death? to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'll see you on the next episode later. Later.